This episode of Sex Lives is brought to you by Organifi. Introducing Organifi Green Juice. Now you can get the benefits of juicing vegetables without the hassle. No shopping, no juicing, no blending, and no cleanup. If you're on any special diet, it will still work for you. It's totally organic, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. It's a great way to stay healthy when you have a busy lifestyle and are always on the go. Sex Lives listeners can get 20% off by going to OrganifiShop.com lives and using coupon code LIVES. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells, and with me today, as always, are New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor. Hey, Maureen. Hey there. And Allison Davis of the Cut. Hey, Allison. Hey, David. we got a great show for you this week. First, we're going to remind you about the Sex Lives voicemail box. You can call us anytime at 646-494-3590. Leave messages about legitimately anything, but in particular about whatever it is that we ask you to tell us about at the end of the show. This week, you're going to be hearing from this lady. Any dude who can fix my computer while still being able to hold a, uh, a conversation, a socially adept nerd, like an IT dude, I think it's pretty hot. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to interview Mallory Ortberg, co-founder of the website The Toast and the voice of Slate's long-running Dear Prudence advice column. But first... I don't know if I've ever seen the two of you guys so sure that we had to talk about something as you were that we had to talk about the (laughs) masturbation booth that the sex toy company Hot Octopus, that's octopus with two S's, naturally, uh, they installed in a New York City phone booth, which I think it was only for men, right? I believe they were calling it the Guy-Fi booth, right? Right. Yeah. Guy-Fi. So I'm I'm a little mad about the exclusion there. I mean, who's to say a woman wouldn't want to sit in a public booth and masturbate too? (laughs) octopus and is it all it's like streaming internet porn yes yeah. well actually the picture really just looked like a regular phone booth like i think you just go stand inside of it so your, your legs are exposed the whole time Whoa. yeah yeah <laughs> um i have to say i think i only no 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 i don't think i support it whatsoever although it does raise an interesting question of like when and where it is or is not appropriate to masturbate in like a shared space what are your feelings about where it is appropriate well, so I was thinking about this after reading about the hot octopus guy-fi booth. Um, <laughs> I started asking various men in my life if where they masturbate. And I was surprised by the number of men who said they like categorically always masturbate in the airplane bathroom. What? This strikes me as terrible. Well, depending on how quick you can go. But if it takes you longer than it takes to pee, then you're just doing a horrible thing to everyone else who's waiting in for that bathroom. But like why the airplane bathroom? It's so small and like generally smelly. I know. What they said was basically, I just get bored on airplanes. And I was like, all right, well. (laughs) I also feel like, you know, on an airplane, everybody's drunk and high. So it's like, (laughs) you know, it's sort of like your your better judgment may have left you at that point. That's fair. I mean, and you're also in this like desperate survival state, I feel, anytime you're attempting to travel. I guess that includes masturbating in the public bathroom. But it also, it's interesting to think like, uh, you know, because they've been turning all these phone booths into Wi-Fi hotspots anyway. That's like a project that they're doing. And um, just like how, what percentage of the internet that's being provided by those hotspots is being used for porn anyway. (laughs) They're like, we may as well close this (laughs) off. And I've had this theory about hotel rooms that like they, they still charge you for Wi-Fi because they have to find a way to make up for the revenue they lost when Wi-Fi eliminated the need for 
pay-per-view porn. Oh, right. Because <laughs> it's so crazy. You stay in like a super nice hotel and it's like, oh, and it's like twelve ninety-five for Wi-Fi. <laughs> One hour of Wi-Fi. You know, like there's a butler who's bringing you like a toothbrush like when you need it, but they can't like give you Wi-Fi for free. Right. It's definitely <laughs> porn for sure. But this whole thing reminds me that did you guys read about um, last year in San Francisco, somebody launched like a sex bus that drove around and couples could like rent an hour in this in this like sex van and so it's kind of like the same idea of like a public space where you can just hop in and do your business and wipe it down and get out also had wi-fi for porn purposes <laughs> when i was <laughs> when i was living in um in brazil there were a huge number of sex hotels because everybody that lives there lives with their parents until they get married <laughs> so in order or not everybody but most people right. um and they had like some really fancy ones but it was you did rent by the hour um and, but it could be like a triplex with like right on the on the water with like incredible panoramic views, but you were renting like by the hour. And there was a um, there was a menu of uh, room service, which was like food and also costumes to order. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> I feel like even here that would make sense. So many roommates, right? Like a sex bus or a masturbation phone booth or like a sex hotel. I don't know. There's a market for it. Maybe that's how we'll make our own money. You know, there is, um, there's an app that lets you rent book rooms by the hour for napping, um, <laughs> is how they sort of sell themselves. It's sort of like the Airbnb oh, for quick naps. That's definitely for sex. I never made the connection that that was like a total alibi. I always thought I was like, <laughs> what are, what are all these people, 20 somethings, attractive 20 somethings taking all these naps all the time. Nap all I the actually time. did not make that connection until right now either. And I was just like, my God, all these sleepy people, <laughs> we really need just to help working people too hard. better. <laughs> no. That's for sex, guys. Jesus. <laughs> so we've been talking about Gotham's recent report about the masturbation booth put together by the company Hot Octopus with two S's. Next up, we speak to Mallory Ortberg, a.k.a. Dear Prudence. Joined now by Mallory Ortberg, who created the website The Toast before taking over Slate's Dear Prudence advice column this past November. Mallory, welcome to Sex Lives. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Before we get into you and all the advice that you've been giving, actually, I wanted to ask a follow-up from our a segment we were just doing earlier, which is about a... Uh, God, how to describe it. Somebody turned a phone booth in New York into a masturbation chamber, and then we started talking about where it could possibly be appropriate to masturbate in public? Is this something you have any feelings about? I did not know what kind of a podcast this was. (laughs) I thought we were going to be talking about, like, advice. How do you talk? We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, This is great. This is really great. I'm I'm mostly, I guess, surprised that there are still, like, full phone booths in New York City, like the kind with doors and everything. Uh, the photos that I saw, I'm not sure that there were doors, right? Actually, it's a door. It's more like the thing where you sort of like, it has like three walls um, and, you know, you sort of like stand there. So theoretically, I think they put a curtain on it so that you could be inside without people totally. Oh. There's like a voting booth. Right. Yeah. Because I hear, I hear chamber and I think like old school <laughs> Clark Kent changing into Superman phone booth. Right. With like the accordion door. But are there places like uh, airplanes, movie theaters? Is any is there any place that it's acceptable to masturbate, or is it is it zero and places? What about shared bathrooms? In what circumstance is a public restroom an acceptable masturbation place, or never? Yeah, I'm gonna go with never. I'm Thank gonna you. go with. I agree with you, Mallory. It's, it's you know not great. I, I I wouldn't say I would necessarily like 
stab someone I saw doing it, I just would <laughs> quietly disapprove. So does that mean that public masturbation is less socially acceptable than public sex? Oh, this is an interesting question. question. Yeah. That is an interesting question. I would be weird, more weirded out by public masturbation than sex. Absolutely. What a horrible double standard I have I now that I'm thinking about it. I think I'd be like congratulatory about public sex. Give them a little high five. Yeah, good for <laughs> well, you, dude. sort of thing with public sex, like, oh, they got carried away in the heat of the moment. They're really into each other. Maybe they're in love. Like, it's sort of understandable. Whereas, you know, when it's just you by yourself, it's like, there's there's nothing to celebrate about this. Go home. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> You know, part of it, though, is I think when somebody's masturbating publicly, you assume they're getting off, like, unconsensually on a stranger walking by or something, you know? So you can't quite tell where the sexual energy is directed, and thus it becomes suspicious. Yeah, I think that's true. That's a good, yeah, that's a good summation of why it's weird. My only experience with seeing someone masturbate in public was I was once on a public bus, and the man behind me was masturbating. Uh, Horrible uh, and vicious and uncomfortable, and nothing about it was, like, charming and delightful. I think public transportation is, like, the worst place you can ma- masturbate. The subway masturbation thing that's happening right now is, like... Is that a thing? It's a thing. It keeps happening. People keep catching these guys jacking off on the subway on, like... it's Yeah, it's that's the worst place to yeah, do Yeah, and someone's, you know, if someone's having sex in public, it's possible they're in the throes of, like, a new exciting relationship. And if someone's mm-hmm. masturbating in public, usually things are not going well. You know, mentally and emotionally, they're not in a great place. Are you guys all only imagining men masturbating, or are you also imagining women masturbating in public? Because there is a gender double standard, too, right? Yeah, I'm only imagining men. But I think it's equally strange if a woman does that, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I would also find it weird. I think it would be easier for a woman to hide it. um, Yes. That she was masturbating. Yeah, she wouldn't have to go to the bathroom in the airplane, for instance. Right. She just like shift around in her seat, I guess. <laughs> I know, depending <laughs> if she's one of those magical women who can like think herself to orgasm. Like the women who just do crunches and then they're there. I keep on like reading about these people. Um, magical women who can think yourself to orgasm, please call in because I really want to understand your, your situation. Mallory, you just mentioned the woman who can do crunches and have an orgasm. Like, I... you know, like. Every once in a while, someone will be talking about workouts, and there'll be some woman who's like, yeah, yeah. every time I do sit-ups, I have an orgasm. It's right? Those, wonderful. Those assholes, because like, now they're like, oh, yeah. and orgasm. I have a girlfriend who does that. We had to write about it once for the cut. And actually, you know what she said? The weirdest thing was getting over her, like, what the hell? Can I ever go to Pilates class again, knowing it? But then she's like, everyone's yeah. grunting and whatever the fuck, and no one's paying attention. Yeah, I don't know that that's something I would want. You know what? I think I support public orgasms. If you are a woman and you're doing Pilates, I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah. All right. I guess that's, all right. that's where we landed. <laughs> so, Mallory, um, let's talk a little bit about your your newish gig. You've been writing on the toast for a while, but not really in this vein. Did you feel like immediately like, oh, I'm totally qualified to be an expert on behavior and etiquette and advise the whole world on how they? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, any any advice column is just you seem like a person. Um, would you like to answer questions from strangers? You know, there's no. You seem you seem like you a person. <laughs> you seem human. That's... Yeah, yeah. You appear to you appear to exist. You have a home address. Yeah, no. I mean, of course. Uh, you know, of course, I, I I want to do as good a job as possible, but I didn't. You know, there's no there's no criteria for an advice columnist. There's no test you have to pass or, or, or a certain type of person you have to be. There's lots and lots of different kinds. So I didn't feel a sense of, oh, no, do I do I pass muster? It was just sort of like, yeah, I have you know, strong opinions and an internet connection. And have you been happy with how it's gone so far? 
Yes, yeah, even more than I thought it would. You know, I kind of figured it was going to be, if nothing else, incredibly different from my day job. Um, and and I have been surprised by how much I have enjoyed myself while doing it. Not that I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a joyless slog, but um, it's really delightful. It's really surprising the the wide variety of problems that people have. Yeah, how um, how sure are you that all of those questions are like legit? That's a good question. I mean, you know, the ones that come in through my inbox, it's not like burner email accounts. It's like, fairly, you know, I can, I can write people back and ask for further detail. Right. I, I, I tend not to be super interested in, in trying to suss out whether or not a question is fake. Like every once in a while, someone keeps trying to goof on me by sending me the plot to Brideshead Revisited. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I'm friends with this like new money, upper crust people at school and someone got thrown in a fountain and Sebastian's. <laughs> behaving badly and that was really charming but to me it's not interesting to say oh i think that this is fake um i think a lot of really strange things can and do happen to people and every once in a while i'll get a question from somebody who very clearly is spinning out a sexual fantasy and that's just very easy to spot in the, in the sort of way that you can tell when someone is making up a scenario that they find really arousing it's funny it's funny you mention that because i often think about the dear prudence columns along with like you know we this sort of sporadic column we do it in new york with the sex diaries, I kind of read them in the same way. I mean, I, like I love reading your response to the people who write in, but I'm not sure that it, I'm really there for the advice so much as like the peeking into the windows of those people's lives. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody loves emotional rubbernecking. <laughs> I tell you what, I I mean, I knew that people had conflict with their in-laws. The number <laughs> of questions that are just I I have trouble with my in-laws. Um, it makes me really glad I'm not married. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it seems like those are the two biggest categories. They're like in-law. There's like in-law drama, and then there's like sex relationships and dating, right? right? Mm-hmm. And there's just you know I think they're all variations on the theme, which is sort of is this person stepping on my boundaries, or do I have a right to speak up about this? There was something. I, this wasn't a question that I received. I was talking with another advice columnist who told me that they had uh, heard from someone who realized her husband never flush the toilet after himself because his mother would do it for him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Never getting married. Wait, are we talking about, are we talking about number one or number two? What's both, the... both, both. <laughs> Allison's rolling her eyes at my phrasing. <laughs> you just make a deposit and walk away. Uh, Man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, that's divorce. That's called a divorce to me right there. That is like, that is also like crippling your son if you always flush the toilet for him. I mean... I don't even know how you would get started with that ritual. Like, honey, don't don't bother. I'll be right in. I, I got it for you. Maybe they were trying to save water in a drought one year and it all just spun out from there. I'm trying to be But then can you imagine the first time he's explaining it to his like girlfriend oh. or wife being like, Oh no no, it's what? it's cool because my mom would always do this. <laughs> And who does he think, like, did he think this was normal? Like, would he go to public restrooms and think, oh, I guess everyone's mom was just here. (laughs) This episode of Sex Lives is brought to you by Organifi. Do you ever wish there was a delicious elixir that could boost energy, ease stress, and erase belly fat? That can give you the body, the look, and the youthful vibrancy you thought had gone forever? Those are the benefits of juicing vegetables, but no one really has the time. So now you can get the benefits of juicing vegetables without the hassle. Introducing Organifi Green Juice. No shopping, no juicing, no blending, and no cleanup. And the best part is, it tastes absolutely delicious. If you're on any special diet, it will still work for you. It's totally organic, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. 
It's a great way to stay healthy when you have a busy lifestyle and are always on the go. The special ingredient is ashwagandha, which has been shown in clinical studies to lower cortisol, which is a stress and fat storage hormone, increase energy, and improve mental focus. Sex Lives listeners can get 20% off when they go to OrganifiShop.com lives and enter the coupon code LIVES. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash lives. Organifi is so confident you'll love it, they'll let you try it completely risk-free for 30 days, backed up by an empty bottle guarantee. If you don't like it, even if you send an empty bottle back, you'll still get a refund. Go to OrganifiShop.com slash lives and enter coupon code LIVES. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash lives. Is there a subject area that you find especially hard to give advice in? I mean, I guess not to be especially leading about it, but like, is it hard to advise people about their sex lives in particular? Are there other areas that you find especially difficult? I mean, I, I, I don't get nearly as many questions directly about sex as, say, like Dan Savage does. Right. Anything that's vastly outside of my realm of experience, like I have been in relationships, I have had employers and employees like, I can extrapolate a lot of different relate, But, like, I've never had children. So when people will write in asking stuff about their children, you know, there's a lot that I have to kind of sit and think through. Well, I've been a, I've been a child. I've been someone's child. I've never parented. So I have to spend a little more time kind of thinking through what do I see in other people when they parent? Um, what seems appropriate to me? What might I not be seeing just as a, as a childless person? And then also I, I'm surprised sometimes there's some letters that are just desperately sad. Um, And I have to just really stop and kind of give it the appropriate emotional consideration. You know, I heard a couple weeks ago from a young man who had come out to his family um, and his father had killed himself as a result. Um, And that's sort of, you know, when people say I'm worried to come out, you sort of say, you'll say, well, no one's going to die. And that's sort of the worst case scenario, right? Like the idea that your sexual orientation could lead you to feel responsible for the death of someone else, which of course... I don't believe he should have at all, but that's the worst nightmare. That's the thing that you say could never happen to calm someone down. With, with the Dear Prudence column, which doesn't have the sort of long-form answer of, a, of an Ask Polly or a Dear Sugar, just I've got a paragraph or two to, to sort of wrap this up that really could get its own book. You mentioned those other columns. Is, is Do you have any sense? Sorry of... to bring this conversation <laughs> down, guys. No, no, no. A minute ago, it was all like, my mom flushes the toilet for me. And now it's just all... <laughs> no, somebody will make a jizz joke soon, yeah. I'm sure. Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned those other columns. I'm curious what you think is behind the sort of advice column boomlet of the last few years, like, um, and why the internet seems to be sort of tending in that direction generally. You know, I think there have always been tons and tons of advice columns. I think that's always been a really constant interest of people in general. And I think the internet's just a great way to, to access more of them. You can get, um, you know, more and more focused kind of categories. Ask a manager is really great, um, like things that can focus exclusively on certain aspects of life. And, and it's a lot easier for people to jump in the comments and say, that's ridiculous. Here's what you should do, which I think is a really fun part of advice column. Um, and I really love that there's sort of this new twist on it, right, of the last 10, 10 or so years, which is part personal essay and part advice column. And part sort of humor also. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. seems like to be a much bigger part of it than it was for earlier generations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ask, um, like, Dear Abby and Ann Landers were always, I mean, they had, like, a cool kind of personality spin on it, but it was very straightforward. It was, Here's my question. Here's my answer. Let's move on. When people write to you and, like, you're you're trying to figure out what to give back to them in an answer, do you feel like most people are kind of writing 
for some sort of validation versus like really not knowing what to do in a situation. And it's like kind of like when I go to therapy and I already know the answer, but I'm going to sit down and talk about it for 45 minutes anyway. Like, are you kind of there just to help validate the feelings they already have or or the direction they already want to go in? There's a a degree in every letter to which someone kind of feels like, I think I'm going to do this, but I want to check in versus someone who seems genuinely torn. And I feel like I've definitely gotten letters where I've also gotten letters where someone says, I already did it. And I think it was right. But now someone else is telling me I was an asshole. Please reassure me that I'm not an asshole. Right. By the way, my favorite um, advice columns are ones where the advice giver is like, no, you are an asshole. Such an asshole. <laughs> I mean, I've had to do a couple of those, not where it was sort of like you're a monster. Uh, I don't I don't get many of those where I feel like, oh, you're a very objectionable person. But I've definitely gotten some where I feel like, hey, actually, I think you are not considering the other person's feelings in this at all in the way that you should. Um, and and I'm not going to be able to give you the answer that you clearly want. Um, and those those answers are a little bit tricky because there are some there's somewhere you know the person has given a lot of thought to what if I'm in the wrong. And there are some questions where that person has given absolutely no thought to that possibility. Um, and and if it's the latter, you have to re- – it's sort of like waking a sleepwalker. You have to kind of think about how much truth do I think that you can handle right now. That's a really funny way to put it. Um, I have a question. So it seems like I always wonder if it's hard for advice columnists to sort of find novel ways to say, like – no, seriously, can you just talk to your husband? Can you just tell him that he hasn't been flushing? It seems like it's so often it sort of comes back down to people having to be like, wait a minute, have you asked that person? Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people, what what a lot of us want is to hear, you can solve this problem without having to have that tough conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get it. I, I really have a lot of sympathy for that because it's so easy when somebody else writes in and says, here's my problem to say, well, obviously the answer to your question is have that conversation, but, you know, how many of us in our own lives don't have that conversation with the person we know that we're supposed to instead of saying, this bothers me to a coworker, you talk about it with everyone else in the office or all your friends. I got a question last week that was from someone who wanted to know how he could break up with his girlfriend in a way that didn't hurt her. Um, and it was sort of like, well, you, you, you can't do that. You can break up with her <laughs> kindly. But if, if your goal going into this breakup is not hurting her, you're going to end up doing and saying a lot of really weird stuff because what you're trying to do is produce a specific emotional reaction. And probably some dishonest stuff, too. Yeah, you're going to say something you don't mean because your goal is to preserve her feelings in the moment and she's going to be sad. I always wonder if there is any good way to break up. Like, this is something I, I keep on returning to and thinking about, especially because, like, it's so often, you know, that every time, like, you know, like if your friend gets dumped and then it's like, can you believe? And it was done like this. And like, I can't think of a single way nature of a breakup that will be happy for the person that doesn't want to be broken up with. Um, I don't know. Do you have thoughts about general rules for like breakup etiquette? I think, you know, being enormously clear and enormously honest and, and not looking to cause a specific emotional reaction. You know, sometimes I think people will bring up the possibility of a breakup because they're sort of hoping that there's another outcome that they can get like, Oh, I'm going to bring up the possibility of a breakup to see if they'll really fight for me or to see if they'll offer to change the behavior that I've really been looking for or, or something else. And um, usually when that's the case, the breakup goes really badly. And, and I don't think the goal needs to be a breakup that feels great and where you hug each other. I don't think that needs, you know, it's okay to have unpleasant experiences in your life. Um, but I think to have a breakup where, you're very clear about what you do and don't want, and you're able to kind of stick to your word as best as you're able. That's a good breakup to me. 
Okay, I'm going to throw it out there since we have you, Mallory, and like all I do or have questions about what I should do with my love life. Um, can you date a friend's crush if that crush does not reciprocate the feelings? It's oh like welcome gosh. to seventh grade. Yeah, but it's still a problem. <laughs> There's only so many like eligible men around to say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a very straight person question. Okay. Right? Because like at least, you know, I mean, obviously this is somewhat of a stereotype, but like with, with gay and bisexual women, like, we all date each other's exes and friends and exes' exes. Like, (laughs) if we actually had dibs on other people, nothing would ever get done. And it's sort Um, of built on a presumption of gender solidarity, that you're like, when can I violate my... My sisterhood pact or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if someone... If it's like a Jim and Pam situation, if this person's been, like, longing for that person for two years... Honestly, if it's in two years, you should say something. That's weird. No, I'm not even going (laughs) to concede that. I just feel like... Personally, not to jump in on your turf, but I feel like if you got a, yeah, if you have a sense that like, if you have a sense that things are going to work out, like who cares? Like who else has a crush on that person? If it's just like, if you're just like wanting to go home with them once, and then you know that's probably cruel to your friend. But like, if you're really trying to get into something, I feel like go. Everybody yeah. should just go for it. Yeah, and I think like especially if you're close with that friend, it's really fine to say like, hey, I know you have strong feelings for this person, and I want to be sensitive. I want you know I care about you, but like they asked me out or, or there's something there between us and we're going to go out and not in a way that's asking for permission because you don't hold emotional dibs over someone just by liking them. Um, but, but in a way that's not just dropping it on them, I think that's kind to do, but no, I wouldn't, if there was something going on between me and someone else and and I knew a friend of mine liked them, but the person I liked didn't like them back. I mean, that's not going to, did you just phrase, you know. use the phrase "like them back"? <laughs> yeah, we oh are yeah, because you guys school. started it. Yeah, you started it. All of my love life problems are like I'm still in sixth grade. It's very innocent. Ooh, ooh, okay, I have one that just happened to me. If you see someone's fiance on Tinder, do you tell them? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know, man. I've never been on Tinder, That's so terrible. I feel like I. Have you ever seen someone's fiance on Tinder? Yeah. Is this a real question? This happened yes. to me two weeks ago, and I still like don't know what to do. I don't know if it was like an old account, but that wouldn't really make sense because they've been together for like four years. But I'm not really quite sure if I should tell her. Yeah, it's kind of different because it's not a smoking gun, right? Like if you saw somebody, you know, with someone else, right. they were on a date or they were kissing or you saw them leaving a hotel together. That's that's it's pretty. It's pr- I'd say it's pretty smoking gun. They're like hanging their shingle out there. They're like open for business. <laughs> but maybe they're just using it for networking. That's what Tinder was originally developed for. Is that true? No. That's what they always say. The founder used to yeah. say. Well, it's also possible that they're in an open relationship of right. some kind. Yeah. If it was a close friend and I knew that they were not in an open relationship, I, I think I would probably lean towards saying something. Ooh. I probably would lean towards saying, hey, I feel a little goofy bringing this up because... I'm sure there's a handful of possible explanations for it. And I'm not trying to bring this to you suggesting that your partner is stepping out on you. But like, did you know this person had a Tinder account? If it wasn't a very, very close friend, I, I just can't imagine it being worse. Because there's, there's, there's always the possibility that you were wrong, you know? Yeah. And there's just the possibility that their relationship just doesn't function the way you think it does, you know? Like, there are plenty of people that, you know, even if they're not in an open relationship, maybe they just browse. Who the hell knows, you know? Yeah, maybe they both like to, like, flip through it together and kind of be like, oh, look at all the interesting people out there in the world. This is kind of hot. That's true. Maybe it's Um, like a threesome profile. Oh, my God. Maybe they're looking for threesomes, in which case you should bring it up, Allison. How hot is this couple? I mean, that's the other problem, right? And that's the other thing, too, is, like, I feel like Tinder's not very hidden, you know? Yeah. So, like, 
I, I, I wouldn't feel like, oh, if I don't say something, they'll, they'll never find out. Like, clearly, you know, if I see it, someone else is going to see it. So this person is either cheating very badly and it's going to get back to them, or this is some goofy fun thing they made for work or as a, you know, like a test for their phone or the two of them look at it together once in a while. Or one of them was the victim of identity theft. (laughs) Or was the victim of identity theft and that identity thief is looking for love. (laughs) That's true. I'm going to go with that last option. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not completely anti-meddling, but meddling definitely can have a significant downside. And I think it's sort of important to figure out how close am I with these people and you know, is this going to be worth the cost of meddling? I'm going to say close enough to volunteer myself for a threesome, but probably not close enough to offer this information. But thank you. That's a really good, you know, algorithm to have <laughs> determining closeness. So our guest today has been Mallory Ortberg. Mallory, thanks again for joining us. It's been a total blast. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. I really appreciated it. Before we go, let's listen to this week's voicemail. This caller contacted us in response to a recent segment where we wondered why so many people seem to believe that carpenter is a sexy profession. I think maybe Allison more than any anybody else. <laughs> and uh, we asked you to let us know what other careers you think are hot. Hey, this is Lauren. I just listened to your January 13th episode. And as a nice Jewish girl, I wanted to point out that... Uh, you guys forgot the sexiest carpenter of them all. Uh, we're all obsessed with Jesus imagery. That's obviously why we all want to have sex with carpenters. And as for which profession is the hottest, also outing myself as a huge nerd, any dude who can fix my computer while still being able to hold a uh, a conversation, a socially adept nerd, like an IT dude, I think it's pretty hot. Is it me or like would IT nerd be like at the absolute bottom yep. of your list? Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> oh, but you know what I am way Not like some good. kind of like math genius who is also socially adept is like such a thing to me. Something where it's like your brain functions on a level I can't even comprehend. And Let's also, get married. Do you like you just like want to watch him do math? Is that like what's you just want to watch Goodwill Hunting? Basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I just I just like the knowledge that their brain does things I can't even fathom. I wonder, like it's like it's like I'm in love with a strange, sexy alien or something that I'm like I can't even fathom what you do with your mind. I once went on a date with an astrophysicist, which I like loved to brag about until I realized that I like I just couldn't talk to him because I was so intimidated by the fact that he was an astrophysicist. I think I mean obviously he was smart. I'm pretty sure we could have had a conversation, but I just kept saying like explain physics to me, please. <laughs> like, My operative theory is that we're all like there is a ceiling of human intelligence and we're all at it already. So, like, people choose to be, like, they specialize in one thing or the other, but I don't know. I never feel less smart than anyone else. I just feel like I've happened to specialize in one field. Right. I like that, David. I'm going to try thinking that way. I'm not, like, no one's smarter than me. No one's smarter than you. Yeah. But what do we think about Jesus, the sex symbol? Oh, I did mention that in the article. I I did mention that Jesus was pretty hot because he was a carpenter with long hair and a good beard. It does seem like a lot of these guys have that sort of look. They're like thin, white or like whitish dudes, like some longish hair and a wispy beard. Yeah, it's a good look. Yeah. Just like put a flannel shirt on him and let's go to dinner. It's good. (laughs) Just a flannel shirt is the the crucifixion you would prefer, Allison. (laughs) Yes. You know, there's like that, like uh, in The Last Temptation of Christ, the book and the movie, there's like half the 
story is like Jesus getting down off the cross and like living a real life, getting married, having kids. And then it turns out it's like an illusion that he's had and he's just been on the cross the whole time. Anyway, this is like really like, I guess, a sex fantasy. Like the guy gets down off the cross, puts on his flannel. (laughs) Take, it t- <laughs> takes you right to bed. Right, like gets in a pickup truck, takes you to his cabin upstate, yeah. off, <laughs> straight off the cross. That's how I like him. <laughs> so just wanted to remind you before we go that you can always reach us at 646-494-3590. Um, this week we'd like to know whether you've ever used a masturbation booth or whether you're hoping now to try one out. Uh, and that's it for Sex Lives. Thanks again to Mallory Ortberg for joining us. Sex Lives is produced by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you guys next week, and thanks for listening. Bye.